0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66
3: and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I want to give you a couple of updates from last week's show. Uh, that would include the, the latest on the Bishop Sycamore High School football scandal. And also the latest update on the Southside High School Varsity Girls soccer team out in Rockville Center. And we'll get into those a little later in the hour. Interesting things have been happening. And I also want to tell you about a hero from 9-11. A local star college baseball player who I had the privilege of covering during his college career. But first up on this, this bright and early Sunday morning, I want to discuss some some vitally important topics for new sports parents and volunteer youth coaches. Now, this is a topic that I think we too often take for granted in youth sports, but it's really most essential material because it really sets the tone for our children as they are introduced to sports. In other words, we spend a lot of time on the show talking about what's happening at the other end of the age spectrum you know kids in high school kids in college kids playing on travel club teams but we all have to sometimes think back and say well how did these kids get to that point point?" and it all starts when they're five or six years old and just getting introduced to organized sports and you know I, I really want to give especially first-time sports parents a sort of a, a brief primer on on what's the right age to introduce your kids into sports uh, i I just think every so often on the show it's a good idea to go back and and give this kind of refresher on this subject, because after all, this is the time of the year in September when parents with young ones start to think about enrolling their youngster in in uh, in sports programs it's quite frankly it's the it's the start of the cycle of introducing one 's kids into organized sports, and for most children. That cycle starts when they are, again, five or six years old and will go through, well, quite frankly, for many of them, right to the end of their senior year in high school. And for, you know, a few lucky ones, they will continue to press on and have a chance to play in college. Uh, Of course, if you have any questions, comments, observations, you know the number. It's 877-337-6666. And, of course, I always welcome your your feedback on the show. Now, just to summarize some points when it comes to parents uh, introducing their kids to sports. i I got a few things. I'll try to go through them quickly. But I do think they're important. And, as I said, something that you want to bear in mind, uh, particularly if you are a first-time sports parent. Number one. You want to expose your kids, especially when they're young, very young, to as many different sports as you can, and quite frankly, sports, uh, different sports that you can afford, and let your kids tell you which ones uh, of the sports uh, they've tasted that they like to pursue. And you know, when they're young, under the age of, let's say, eight. There should be no issue with them if they've tried a sport for a few weeks and perhaps didn't like it, and they said, well, I want to change and try something else. The, the, the concern about a level of commitment to a team, it, it's not important when they're five, six, seven, or 8, but it does change as they get older, when they're gonna be nine or 10, because then you have to talk about making that commitment to being on a program and being on a team. But when they're just starting out, they don't know. They have to have no idea what sports they're going to like and enjoy. Number two, as a parent, you know, this should probably come as obvious to you, but it, it needs to be, it bears repetition. You have to be exceedingly patient with your child. You have to offer them lots and lots of encouragement and praise. You're not there to criticize them. You also, quite frankly, you want to smile a lot because kids at that age are looking very much for your approval, and they want to know that they're making progress as they begin to try their way, you know, whether it's kicking a soccer ball or swinging a baseball bat or trying to shoot a basketball. I mean, they're looking for total 100% positive regard from you. And you have to give that to them. If you want them to, you know, enjoy sports, then obviously they want to make sure that they're doing the things on the right path. And, of course, we know when they're four, five, six, seven years old, they're not going to have any skills whatsoever. I mean, maybe they can run a little bit, but clearly they're just beginning to get into the process. And it's essential If you're a sports parent, at those tender ages, you're going to have to basically make sure your kid is getting lots and lots of positive feedback, lots of praise, lots of smiles, lots of hugs, all these things, okay? Because, let's face it, it is a totally new experience for them, and if they get frustrated, and trust me, they will. Kids get frustrated if they don't get immediate gratification from playing sports. They need for you to step up and say, no, that's okay. It's gonna take some time to learn how to master these skills. It's as simple as that. Again, that may be, you know what, that may be the most important point I'll make in my list today you got to be patient. You have to offer praise, and you got to show them that, or explain to them the right way to do skills and then give them a chance to go out there. They're going to they're gonna have a difficult time at first. It's going to take a lot of trial and error, but let them lead the way you're there to support them. And by the way, number three, you can't assume that young kids know the rules of, of the games they want to play i mean you have to explain the basic rules to the kids i mean how in the world would they know the intricate rules of of baseball or softball or of of soccer or lacrosse how would they know any of these things i mean they're not it's not something they're born with they have to be taught and so you have to basically explain to them Slowly but surely, you start with the basics and, you know, you know what you're trying to accomplish in the game, what's the rules in terms of trying to win a game, whatever it might be, but you have to take your time and explain slowly to them how things are done. And by the way, hey, you know, a generation ago, most youngsters, well, they learned the rules from playing pickup games with, quite frankly, with their, from their older siblings, but you know, these days in organized youth sports, that doesn't happen so much as kids, you know, are basically slotted into their own age group and they're basically with their own peers and they don't know the rules either. So, again, over the course of time, learning the rules of games which were sort of handed down from one sibling to the next again doesn't still happens a little bit but not as much as you used to because you didn't really see many kids going out today and playing pickup games uh, with kids in the neighborhood it just it still happens a little bit but not like it used to be and again that was one of those situations where kids learn the rules and you know other parts of mastering skills from their older again, older brothers or sisters and by the way speaking of the rules You know, mom or dad, you may want to brush up on the rule book yourself because the truth is rules are being tweaked every year at the professional and sometimes at the collegiate and high school level. You may know the basics of your sport, but you may want to go back yourself and just see what's how things have changed since you played competitively when you were in school. Uh, I think that's a good idea. And I think it's something that parents need to bear in mind because you might be giving advice on the rules of the game and actually those rules are now obsolete or have been changed. Okay, moving four. This is a question people ask me all the time. What's the right age to start a youngster in sports? Well, let me let me answer that question in this manner. First and foremost, your youngster needs to develop A basic sense of fun and passion for their sport or sports. This is crucially important. If a four or five or six year old doesn't view sports as being pure fun early on, the sad truth is there's very little chance they're going to want to stay with that sport. I mean you as a parent you have to keep that in mind because without a sense of enjoyment, of fun, well your child is going to have to find another activity or another outlet or another sport that they do like so you really it's essential that you make sure particularly early on don't worry at all about one loss records about your kids' stats uh, that's just that's not important at this age at the early ages you just want them to go out be with their friends you know, wear a shiny new uniform, uh, see that at the end of the game, everybody gets a pat in the back, maybe, uh, you know, there's a pizza party afterwards, but it's about having fun. You want the kids to look forward to going to play in the games, to look forward to practices, and it's essential that they are surrounded with sense of fun, enjoyment, smiles, encouragement, applause, whatever. That's how you get this whole thing going. Because if the kids pick up on the fact that this is not much fun, nobody seems to want to give me any praise, it's hard, it's difficult, you know what, they're going to walk away. And they just, either again, that's okay, they can leave one sport for another one, but you want to make sure they find at least one sport that they do enjoy and want to stay with it. I mean that's that's number one. Again, forget about keeping stats. I know that our our society these days is getting more and more crazed about the young kids and being ranked and who's a better team and who's on the A team and B team. Forget that stuff. It the kids just go out and enjoy the pleasure of hitting a ball off a batting tee or kicking a soccer ball into a net or or whatever it might be, let them just enjoy that without having any expectations on them at all. Now, are there any differences in terms of individual versus team sports, and that does have an impact when they start out at a young age? Well, yes, of course. I mean, for example, it's probably a good idea to let your child try to learn how to ice skate when they are four or five, or maybe try some basic uh, gymnastics, or even how to try to to, uh, try their their abilities on a skateboard. Why? Because when they're small, and they're still beginning to learn and master a sense of balance, well, we know as grown-ups, as adults, they're going to fall. They're going to fall every so often. Of course, you got to make sure they're fully padded, making sure that we're in protective gear. But, you know, if they do fall, it's not going to be so painful. They may be surprised and shocked that they fall. Through. I'd say they're on a pair of ice skates or on a skateboard, but they're going to be eager to get back up and try again. It's all about trying to master those skills at a young age. Now, I got to tell you, it's it's a lot tougher to learn some of these individual sports when they get older. So at least if you introduce them to, you know, skating or to gymnastics or skateboarding, whatever the sport may be, it's a good idea when they're young to at least introduce them. Again, early on I said, make sure they try a variety of sports. Well, that's okay. I'm not saying they have to go out and, and, and try to compete to be on a, on a travel team in ice hockey when they're five years old, but at least they have a good idea like what it's like about skating, what that's about. Maybe they'll enjoy it. You'll be surprised. By the way, swimming. Well, with swimming, that's, of course, a, a, a sport. But to me, it's a bit different because in my perspective, swimming is a, is a survival skill for life. Every kid needs to learn how to swim when they are very young uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's something they need to know to be able to basically get through life. You Make sure you get your youngster trained by a pro, uh, a pro uh, su- swimming instructor to learn how to swim in a pool. Now, moving on. Should you, as a parent, uh, expose them to a variety of sports? Again, or just one or two? I mean, I, as I've just said, I think it's important you expose them to a lot of sports when they're young starting out. My own three kids, I mean, they played uh, soccer, ice hockey, lacrosse, golf. And they swam. Now these are sports I of course knew about when I was a youngster, but the truth is I never really played any of them competitively. I played baseball, football, and basketball, ran some track and field. But so what did I do when my own kids wanted to pursue sports like lacrosse or soccer, which I had very limited understanding of? (laughs) I, I basically went to the library and got some books and videotapes out and learned about those sports as well. I remember At the basis of all this, and I say this all the time, this is about your kid's childhood and sports. It's not about yours. Your childhood is over. It's in the books. It's done. You're an adult. You have to act the role as an adult as a serious grown-up. So what you want to be making sure your kids do are exposed to these various sports. But again, if you find that these are sports that you aren't familiar with, don't turn your back on it and certainly don't discourage your kid. No, just the opposite. Get involved. I mean, understand the rules. Get a a sense of how the sports are played, what are the skills, and maybe you'll find that you are drawn to those sports as well. Is this going to, by the way, you know, youth sports, is it going to cost a lot of money and time? Yeah, it could. But it's better to try and have your youngster, you know, rent some equipment in their first year or get some hand-me-down equipment just in case they don't like the sport and they want to move on. By the way, uh, there's no need to reprimand your kid if they decide they prefer one sport or a couple of sports over others. Let them, let them lead the way. Let them tell you which sports they think is really cool and which ones they want to play. Be careful about pushing your own preferences onto your kids. Are the Number seven, uh, are concerns about specializations in, in one sport, are those real? Yeah, they are real. If you think you're giving your kid a major advantage by letting them play one sport all year round. Well, the truth is you're really sort of setting them up for possible repetitive use injuries and even worse a potential case of burnout when they get to be 12 or 13. Now I know there are a bunch of you out there who think that you're, well, <laughs> you're a little smarter and everyone else when it comes to sports and kids and that you're going to push your kid into one sport, have them play it all year round, get them private instruction, and so on. Trust me, a lot of sports parents do think this way. The problem is, more often than not, if you push your kid into one sport at a very early age, then it's those kids who tend to gradually view that sport as becoming something of a chore or a task or an obligation rather than being fun. And that's a real concern. In other words, those are the kids who become real candidates for burnout as they get to in their teenage years. And remember this, the very best and the elite professional team athletes of today, they never specialized in just one sport when they were starting out as a kid. Uh, Most of them didn't focus on one sport until they got to be perhaps their sophomore year in high school when they realize that, well, I'm, I'm good in a bunch of sports and I like them all, but I think my best shot to perhaps go on to be a star in high school or maybe get a chance to play in college will be in this one particular sport. And even then, a lot of these top athletes don't specialize in just one sport in high school. They play two or three. Now, look, I fully understand the desire for moms and dads to have their kid focus on one sport, but in the end, the truth is it doesn't really pay off that often. So again, if you listen or talk to college and pro coaches, they'll tell you the same thing. They're always looking for top all-around athletes, meaning multi, multi-sport multi athletes, not just those who played one sport in school. Okay, let me uh, remember this now. Again, for most of our kids, their athletic career in organized sports from, you know, beginning to the end It goes very quickly. They start around age five or six, and they go to maybe 18 when they're a senior in high school to the last game they play as a senior in high school. That means uh, playing sports, learning about sports, and playing their very last game in about 13 or 14 years' time. Uh, And, you know, that's something you have to bear in mind. It's, It's a very quick passage of time, but, again, it does go quickly. All right. Your job, again, is to make the experience for your kids as enjoyable and as fun for them as possible. Let me take a time out. When I come back, I want to get some other conversations as well. But, of course, I'm always eager to get your thoughts at 877-337-6666. Stay with me. And good morning, and welcome back to the Sports Edge. Uh, we're talking about a variety of topics this morning. In just a few minutes, I'm going to get to a couple updates regarding uh, Southside High School and the soccer girls' soccer program there, and also talk about what's happening at Bishop Sycamore. Well, let's take uh, some quick calls first. That's, of course, we're at 877-337-6666. Let's start with our friend Jack Smith, and over in Farallon, New Jersey. Good morning, Jack. You're on the fan.
2: How are, you, how are you, Rick? Um, you know, you you just covered your whole book of you know the sports parenting edge. So, people, do yourself a do yourself a favor. The people that aren't up this early, and you're probably not listening. So, what I'm going to say means absolutely nothing. But go out and get this book, The Sports Parenting Edge. It's the best book I've ever read about sports parenting, and Rick just kind of like outlined it you know, in such a short period of time, but the information is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you covered so many different things here. So go ahead. I was going to say? say
3: thank thank you as always for your for your wonderful promotion of uh, my book, uh, and I obviously am proud of that book. And yeah, all those things I talked about, and I went through them as quickly as I could because for a lot of people, Jack, we know this is sort of like second nature. But there are a number of people out there who don't have any real sense of what happens when their kids enroll in a in a youth soccer or or, or you know sports program, and they want to know how do what happens and. and and it's just um, I want to basically sort of lay out the land for them to know what goes on and how how to play this with the youngster, so thank you for well, for your, well, your nice words
2: you're, you're you're more than welcome, but you know the, the funny thing about it is is that I'm going to tell you sports parents, you could probably make more mistakes than you will do the right things, and you know when 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 Ripper's talking about specializing and everything like that, it, you know specializing in my terms, means something a little bit different. I had two sons that played, each of them played um, five different sports in high school. So they played three sports all year, all the way up until their senior year. Both went on to play at, at Penn State in baseball. One gave it up, and he's now a businessman doing very well. But the other one played eight years of pro ball, he went out to. He's now a phys ed and health teacher up in up in the Boston area, and he just received. Uh, I believe he's about to receive the head coaching job at at one of the high schools up there.
4: Mm-hmm. So his path
2: his path in athletics led him to where he is right now. And you talked about the leisure sports. You talked about the lifetime sports. Very important. You know, when my my younger son quit baseball, left it. He was roomed with a, a golf major and uh, he was a you know he was a sports um golf management major and he went out and played golf every day with with his roommate and he's now a like an eight handicap in golf because you know he got into the leisure time sports or the lifetime sports but parents do yourself a favor and this is something this is a mistake that i made with my second son my first son zach he was he, he was tunnel vision you know he was probably like your son john who was a baseball player at harvard like you and he went on to play pro ball you know and that's where zach i i, I never played pro ball you know i, I did some football kicking you know and, and some tryouts and stuff like that but you know i was very athletic my wife was athletic so you know our kids didn't have a chance with not playing athletics. And, you know, Zach, I didn't have to lead. I just guided him and he would, you know, he'd go out and we'd throw for two, three hours at a time. Alex, I pushed. And that was the biggest mistake I ever made with my son, uh, with my younger son. I pushed him into wanting to play college ball. He gave it a shot. He was recruited by a couple of schools. But, you know, you can't push them. You got to let them choose their, their path. Absolutely. And then helps them with their path. Yeah. And Uh, it's just, uh, read the book, people. It's a (laughs) great, great book. And I like to just say hello to my my friends at the community school. I was over there this week visiting them. I've been retired for a few years. And, you know, they're my family. And we talk about your show all the time. In fact, I know a bunch of them are listening right now, probably Priscilla. She's listening, guaranteed. So, people, do yourself a favor. Look up Rick's books. The psychology book is off the charts, and this sports this sports parenting book is such a guide for younger parents. Such a guide.
3: Well, thank you, Rick. Th- thank, thank you as always, Jack. That's uh, so so nice and so so flat. I'm just flattered. As simple as that. Uh, obviously, this is a passion. And as Jack mentioned, mentioned, you know, he, you know, when you get a bit older and you've been through the wars uh, as a sports parent, you 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 look back and you reflect and you say, yeah, I. I, I, I was, for the most part, I thought I did all the right things, but certainly we all make mistakes and we all would go back and change things that we could, but we obviously are eager for our kids to enjoy the experience. And I'm telling you, it's a, and we all know this, it's a heck of a lot more complicated these days to be a sports parent than it was, you know. Uh, 15 20 30 years ago it's just different we know that that's why this show exists in fact before i get to the next caller i do i promised at the at the outset i give you a couple of quick updates well first of all the, the reaction from from last week's discussion on the show about this bogus high school bishop sycamore out of columbus ohio you should know that a new head coach new head football coach has been hired and he's been sort of talking to the media and he says and I, I listen to what he says. He says that Bishop Sycamore is not a high school, but rather, and these are his words, it's a kind of postgraduate academy for football players. I'm not even sure what that means. I mean, a postgraduate academy for football players. I mean, and all it does to my perspective is it generates even more questions. For example, do the kids have to pay to be on this team? If there's no school to attend, what's the purpose of calling it an academy? Is it just a place where they can play football? Are they, or would kids do this to, and I I assume they pay money because they hope that colleges are going to come and recruit from Bishop Sycamore? And what, what kind of opposition, what kind of teams would they play? Or would they play, I don't know, college teams, junior college teams? I, it's just so weird, and yet there's all these questions. And that's really the extent of the answers. I also read, by the way, remember I mentioned last week that Kevin Hart, the comedian, he's already announced that he's doing a movie about Bishop Sycamore? Well, then I read this week that Michael Strahan, you know, the, the former NFL star, he's producing a documentary as well about Bishop Sycamore and the football program. And also he's working, I guess he's hired or he's bought the rights from the coach who just got fired to do this. (laughs) I mean, lots and lots of questions continue to swirl. I mean, how did the football team and this bogus school even get on the map? Why didn't ESPN or IMG Academy or Paragon, the TV packager do some basic due diligence on this program? And I look, the biggest question I think I have is, was Bishop Sycamore, were they paid money by either IMG Academy or by ESPN or its packager? I'd like to know that as well. But again, I had I not seen that information come forth. <laughs> One thing is certain. I got to tell you, Bishop Sycamore had the right to initials for its so-called school, Bishop Sycamore. B.S. for short. I couldn't think so appropriate. (laughs) All right, moving on to Southside High School in Rockville Center. As you might recall, the school board hired a new coach recently to coach the girls' varsity soccer team. But then this past week, that new coach stepped down. He told the girls at practice he was resigning because he had received, quote, racially derogatory calls and threats so much so to the point that he feared if he continued to uh, if he continued on as the girls coach he'd need to have the police at every game something he didn't want to subject the girls to in order to protect him so he he decided to leave the program school board reconvened once again the beleaguered school board out in Rockville center uh, which, quite frankly, in my opinion, brought all this upon themselves. But anyway, they decided to hire yet another new coach. Actually, what they did was they hired a previous coach for the girls' soccer varsity team. They hired uh, Judy Crotier to come out of retirement and to coach. Judy had coached the varsity soccer team at Southside for many years and won a number of championships. In fact, in her glorious career, she even coached uh, US, uh, W.N.T. member Crystal Dunn. So... Well I'm sure the girls at Southside would love to have their former coaches back. They seem at least happy and content to have someone who has Judy's experience. So let's let's hope for the best for the Southside girls. Hopefully, this totally unnecessary situation with the school board can be avoided in the future. Again, uh, I, I just feel so, so badly for that girl's program because all this could have easily been avoided. Okay, let's as promised. Let's get back to our calls. Let's go to um, let's go to Mike in Garden City. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan.
5: Hey, good morning, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. So I just finished. Well, I'm at. I'm at 16U, started coaching my kids at 8U, and uh, three kids in different sports. So I've got a good perspective on this. And the best advice I'd give any parent of a, of a young child is to take the time to teach them the sport yourself, whether it's the sport that you loved growing up, whatever it is. If you are going to take the kid to two hours a week of t-ball, spend two hours a week instead teaching them how to catch and throw and hit in the backyard because a you're building a bond with that kid that's uh, irreplaceable, yep. and b you are setting that kid on a trajectory to be better than every other kid. It's it's amazing to me. Right up until eleven or twelve, you you know in rec, yep. where I get I get the new kids every year. It was clear that half of those kids at eleven you had never had a catch with their dad, yep. you know. And you see these big strong guys sitting around the, on the around the. Uh, the fences, watching the game, and you're wondering, you should be the one teaching these kids this game, not me. And and I don't think any kids start uh, organized sports until they're eight years old.
3: Well, yeah, um, I mean...
5: It, it's, except for the individual sports which you mentioned, which I, which I agree uh, with.
3: Yeah, Mike, I was going to say, obviously, as you heard me say, I think some of the individual sports, you're going to have to start a little, you know, a couple of years earlier, yeah. eight. However, one of the things behind all of this, and I... I agree with you that because of the fact that kids grow at different rates and different time uh, elements, that you know we really aren't going to know how talented they are until they get to be in their teenage years. And, then again, when they're teenagers, right. everything changes. So organized sports, and I don't think we're ever going to get to the point ever again where we're going to say, no, we're not going to start in our town until they're eight. But I do think the key in this is, is that with they're five, six, seven, and even to eight years old, just minimize all the nonsense about scoreboards or scorebooks or, or stats, yeah. you know, who's winning or losing. I'm not saying I'm fully aware we live in a competitive society. I get all that. But when their kids are just learning the sport and trying to figure out how to do this and do that, they do not need the added pressure of saying, well, no. our team lost every game or we stink or whatever. I mean, if a kid ever asked you when they're seven years old and they come racing off the field and say, hey, who's winning? You just tell them, I don't know. I think I think we're tied. <laughs> <What>? and, <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. kid, the they kids don't know you know, a kid doesn't know yeah. the difference. Most kids can't count at that age, anyhow. Oh,
5: my daughter's softball team. Every game, they might be up twelve three. You know, someone will say, "What's the score?" And someone will say, "They don't. They think it's two to two. They have no idea what the score of the game is." So, uh, and th- something else he said really uh, was important is that praise piece. It's not not that you can't teach the kid or be critical, but if they, when they catch a ball for the first time, when they kick a ball in the soccer net for the first time. Make that like they just won the Olympics. Like Absolutely. Make that, make that moment amazing. And in terms of the, the teach them at home thing, I'll give you one quick example. My, I convinced my 8-year-old girl to play baseball like her brother's um, instead of softball. Um, and she never played before. A month before her first season, we started working a couple times a week on the fundamentals and she was the second best player on that eight-year-old boys team mm-hmm. and it was that month alone was more than i think every other kid on the team had gotten in terms of home training
3: and now let you go because i got to go to a 16-year gym <laughs> <laughs> hey mike th- th- thank you for the call this morning because yeah it's good to get your your ideas and feedback and yeah i mean obviously you've given us a lot of thought as well and yeah i think you're on the right path the question is can we get all the other sports parents to understand this as well? Because I understand, Mike, thank you for the call. I understand that there are, there's in our society today, there's always a sense of competition, and we want to be, get a leg up on others, and we want to make sure our kids are on the fast track. I get all that. But not when they're just learning the sport. That's too early, too soon. I mean, you're going to see teams out there. There going to be some ambitious uh, travel team coaches. Oh, no, we're better. We're more competitive. We we start our kids when they're six on travel teams or seven. But as Mike and I just discussed, most kids can't even count at that point. And they sure as heck don't know the rules of where to strategy or positioning or whatever. Let them learn the basics and let them learn to enjoy the sport and having fun with their friends. And trust me on this, that is the first step. And it's not just a one-time, one afternoon. They have to get. An assist, uh, into a system of looking forward to practices and it's fun and it's good and it's great and it's positive and it's exercise that's what you want your kids to get a rhythm of that i look forward to playing sports so every year to me the ultimate litmus test is did the kid enjoy playing on that youth program last year do they want to play again this year in, the, in, a, in a step up in a, in, a, in a same sport and if they say yes that means that you obviously had a really good positive impact. Simple as that. All right, got to take a break. When I return, I'll take more of your calls, 877-337-6666. Yeah, I... I think we all know that song. And of course, we usually associate it with the, uh, the start of a uh, sporting event or perhaps the winning of a gold medal by an American at the Olympics. But I think we should all remember that this Francis Scott Key anthem was written to commemorate the defense of Fort McHenry during the War of 1812. America at war and what brave Americans do. If you were an adult or a teenager twenty years ago, chances are pretty good you have some strong recollections of 9 11. And of course, the stories that have been collected and remembered over the last week have been meaningful and powerful. I, of course, have my own personal story, and it will stay with me for, well, the rest of my life. But this morning, I just want to pay a short tribute to a young man who, Although I really didn't know personally, I do very much recall covering his games as a powerful and hard-hitting outfielder for the St. John's University baseball team. His name was Mike Weinberg. He was a fireman. He rushed to the World Trade Center to help, and that's where he died. A little history is, of course, necessary. Back around 1988 or so, I was doing color commentary on Big East baseball for the MSG Network. It was great fun. I worked lots of St. John's games. They were terrific. And I had the privilege of working those games with uh, such notable play-by-play guys as Greg Gumbel, Bruce Beck, Dave Sims, among others. In any event, I can vividly recall watching Mike patrol the outfield at St. John's. That was back in the day when the St. John's ballpark had its original layout. It's been since turned around to face the other way. But in those days, the outfield at St. John's was really vast. It was perfect for its great pitchers and really great uh, for having speedy outfielders to play defense. In any event, Mike Weinberg was a strong, big, strong, handsome kid, right-handed batter with power. And he won all sorts of awards as a player at St. John's, where he played for four years from 1986 to 1989. He was named to the Big East team and so on. And after he graduated from St. John's, he was signed by the Detroit Tigers, played a a few years in the minors before a shoulder injury derailed his career. He came back to his hometown in Queens, eventually joined the fire department. He served for seven years with the force. Terrific athlete out of uh, Cleveland High School in Brooklyn, Not just in baseball, but other sports, and particularly in golf as well. But more than sports, Weinberg was all about helping others in distress. And sure enough, on that fateful September 11th, he was actually at home on vacation when he heard about the attacks. And while most people, like myself, couldn't wait to flee from Manhattan on that morning to get back home to let my family know that I was okay, Well, Mike Weinberg was one of those people who jumped in his car and raced to the fire station where he worked. He immediately went down to the World Trade Center. He was there when the first tower collapsed. He instinctively ran for cover by trying to hide under a nearby bus that was parked there as the debris rained down. And by all accounts, he was killed instantly by the crush. He was all of 34 years old. Again, we all have memories and stories about 9-11, and they are all personal, and they will all last a lifetime. But each year about this time, I recall Mike Weinberg, the hard-hitting outfielder for St. John's baseball, and what he did eagerly to try and save others. And by the way, speaking of heroic local athletes, there's a classic book entitled The Red Bandana, which is about a youngster named Wells Crowther, who grew up in Nyack in Rockland County, who played lacrosse at Boston College. He was also a volunteer fireman, and he too raced to the Trade Center, World Trade Center on 9-11 and was heroic in saving lives only to lose his own. Wells Crowther was only 24. Uh, ESPN's fine, fine writer Tom Rinaldi wrote the book called The Red Bandana. It's definitely worth your time to read it, and is also a young adult version for teenagers as well. Okay, let's get back to our discussion this morning about uh, what's happened with youth sports and and how's the best way for parents to uh, hopefully teach their kids to play and enjoy sports. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Rob and Lake Success. Good morning, Rob.
4: Rick, after hearing that story, I don't know how to follow up on that. Uh, your show is so good, and it's great to hear you early in the morning. I would get up at two o'clock in the morning, which I've done many times to call the station anyway, um, because it, it's so informative and. That's an incredible, an incredible story. Um, I don't know where to go with this, but I'm, I'll just go on my, my initial thoughts mm. going forward. When, when please, you brought up this please. topic this morning, uh, number one, everything you hit on early on in your monologue w- w- was perfect. I mean, kids basically have to have fun, okay, it, it, when they're starting out. Now, on, on, a, on, a, on a personal level, my, my daughter... She learned in camp how to swim. I introduced her to you know soccer and you know tee ball and stuff like that. But she in, in a camp day camp when she was very very young, she learned as a skill, like you said, uh, an important skill, how to swim. Yes. She loved it so much. She wound up doing it on her on her own, and never pushed her. And became a, a phenomenal uh, high school uh, you know swimmer. And that yes. you know, she didn't pursue it in college. Academics was more important. But that skill that she picked up in in, in, um, in in day camp, she stayed with and on her own joined the swim team, and and you know that's the one thing that I could look back and say I never pushed her on that. But so many other things you said. Number one, as a phys ed teacher back a hundred years ago, when I, when I when I took methods courses, there were a lot of sports like fencing, like badminton, that I had to learn. OK, I knew nothing about sensing, but we had to learn it. And what you were talking about, um, you know, how, how parents, if they're not familiar with a sport, pick up a book, learn it, because you should be, you know, know as much as you can about all the different sports. You know that that yeah, your potential young athlete might want to try. You mentioned about ice skating. You're not going to put a kid in travel and have them learn ice hockey till they get on skates because that's a that's a difficult skill. Until they if they can master it or get some lessons, they might say, you know, Mom, Dad, I really don't like this. I'm I'm afraid. I'm falling down so much. So you go on to the next level. There's so many different things that you talked about today, but the most important thing is introduce the kid, your, your child, to multiple sports because let them get exposed. Let them watch TV. Let them sit down and watch a baseball game. The hardest, maybe the hardest game, to hit a pitch baseball, watching it. And if they like it on television and they seem interested, go on and have a catch with them. And the last thing I want to say, Rick, what you basically said, we never know till later on in life. Like Tiger Woods is once in a generation. Don't stick a, a club in, in, in their in their crib because you don't know what you know what's going to happen going forward. Kids mature at different ages. Expose your kids to all different sports and hopefully lifetime sports that they can golf, running, swimming that they could do forever. And and yep. that's what it's all about because it's so rare to get that. That that kid that's going to you know make it to the to the top 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 level, but at least expose them. And it's about having fun at an early age. And I love you. I love you, and I love you, show, Rick. <laughs>
3: Well, thanks you. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you for your your wonderful words. And yes, I I mean, look, it it's all seems to be commonsensical. But the fact is that if you want your kid, and again, the basis of all sports, one of the major major, major takeaways of sports is that they're gonna stay physically fit. And as Rob just mentioned, if you can find your kid a way to get physically fit by enjoying a sport, whether it's running around, whatever sport they wanna pursue, that's that's an added but essential bonus, not to mention the next level, which is they're going to learn, particularly playing team sports, they're going to learn a lot of the intangibles in life about how to deal with adversity, how to be a good team player, how to, to you know work towards a common goal, uh, how to understand the, the joys of success and, and the, the depths of failure. These are all incredibly important life lessons, which they may not get if they aren't playing sports as a kid. I mean, these are... I mean I can't speak highly enough of this and I know all all of you probably feel the same way and this is why you played sports this is why we want our kids to play sports it's not so much that we want our kids to go on and become, you know, on a fast track to get to the pro level. I mean, that's, that's something to take care of itself as they get older and they get perhaps to, you know, maybe in college. But right now, we want them to enjoy playing the sport because, as I've said many times on the show, if a kid gets to be 12 or 13 and they're showing signs of burnout, I mean, the problem is when kids burn out in a sport, they rarely come back to it ever again. They're just done. They want to walk away from it and do something else outside of sports, and that's a shame. I mean, we really want to make sure our kids enjoy what they're doing. All right, let's continue on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Jerry on Brooklyn. Hey, Jerry, good morning. You're next up on The Fan.
6: Good morning, Rick. Allow me to uh, speak quickly. I know you pressed the time regarding Bishop Sycamore. Last week, uh, (laughs) when you broke that story, it was one of the most absurd I've ever heard. And listening to your update, I still don't know who the administrators are, how magnanimous of them to hire a new football coach and throw him to the wolves. Uh, I don't know who the uh, body, the the, uh, athletic body who oversees this from happening, Um, uh, the governor was supposed to step in. Give me 20 minutes to walk in there, and I'll tell you what's going on. I can tell you this. Sometimes the truth is hidden in plain sight. Could it be, now you used the word packager. Uh, I'm going to assume you meant the subcontractor for ESPN, who I yes. think you identify. Help me out here. Yes, Paragon. Yes, Paragon? Yes. Okay. Um, is it possible that they could not find an opponent to fulfill their contract obligation? Remember, Paragon scheduled them, as you said, in 2020, and they got hammered. I I think 50 points. Why would you reschedule them again the following year? Do they have a pool of schools? There are. I'd like to know a lot of questions,
3: Jerry. There, there. I, and I again, I agree with you. There are a lot of questions about why this happened in terms of why did Paragon decide to opt in for this, whatever this thing is, Bishop Sycamore, this uh, football academy. Um, I call it a private
6: football uh, club. A yeah, private ahead.
3: football club. That's fine. They can call it that too. Uh, but apparently, uh, there are you know a number of high school. Programs around the country that have really gotten to the point where they are real powerhouses like the IMG Academy in Sarasota, Uh Bradenton, wherever they are. And they apparently have gotten so big and so powerful that they have a difficult time trying to find other independent schools to play them on a national basis. And even though, yes, IMG had crushed this team last year by 50 points, I gather they couldn't find anybody else to play on that particular you know day. And so Paragon, as the uh, the provider of trying to find and keep track of all these guys, and again, they haven't said much about what happened here. At least I haven't found right. much in the media. They must have figured out, well, let's get Bishop Sycamore. Maybe they, they want to take another <laughs> round of this. And Bishop Sycamore, according to their limited media, they're saying, yeah, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's do this again. And then all of a sudden it began to fall apart when even the commentators said, we know nothing about these players. They say they're D1 prospects. It doesn't appear to be that's true, and this is really not fair. And, of course, it also was revealed that they had played a game 48 hours earlier. So Jerry, yeah, it isn't that, much. That's,
6: that's why I, one last thing before. Sure. I, I don't know how old uh, from the players are from Bishop Sigamore, but uh, if they're older than the high school kids, they're very lucky that somebody didn't really get injured badly uh, be, uh, uh, because that just goes into a whole new realm. Thanks,
3: for I, th- thanks, Jerry. And I was going to say, I did make that point last week, and I agree with you. Some of these kids apparently allegedly had played four years of high school, which makes them ineligible to play anymore in high school. Uh, you know, some of them uh, apparently wasn't a trainer. So if somebody got hurt, seriously injured, I don't know what happens then because who knows if they even had any kind of insurance policies to cover these kids if they got hurt playing for this this bogus high school, Bishop Sycamore. Very Lots of questions, and hopefully we'll get more answers as time goes on. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Emmanuel uh, Burberry. Uh, Please stick around for the NFL preview. That's up next. You can find me at AskCoachWolf.com. Follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf, hashtag AskCoachWolf. I'll see you. I'll talk with you next Sunday.